I ask what you want. I do it. I never reveal myself in that doing. And it sort of feels like there isn't a self to reveal. Mm, that's it. You have created a validatable self that you present to the world. and But that self, validatable self, is always going to be disconnected from your true self. And so you will never feel validated ultimately. Well, sure, if you want to put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was trying to connect was all great. the dots of the language that you've been using. Nancy's like, God damn. The Big Hormone Enneagram. Hi, I'm John Lukovich, uh, sexual self president with Bioling 458 Trifix. Hi, I'm David Gray, self president sexual 9 with 1974 Trifix. What up, it's Emika. I'm an 8 wing 7. Sexual self prez with eight five four fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy. I am a self prez social three wing four with a three six nine trifix. If you like our podcast, guys, make sure you go like and subscribe on the Apple Podcast app. And if you really like us, you should definitely leave us a review. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Big Hormone Enneagram. Uh, we are back at it with uh, Courtney and Xander, but before we uh, introduce them, uh, we got some plugs. Emika and I will be at the Enneagram Global Summit doing different, he'll be doing eight, I'll be doing seven and five, and Instincts with Mario Sakura. So uh, depending on when that shit happens and all that kind of stuff, we'll have a link attached to the show description that if you sign up with us, I think it's free. Uh, we might make some meager amount of money, and we don't make enough money, so please sign up for that. Uh, David has his Trifix guidebook on Enneagrammer.com. You can buy it there. Uh, I wrote the intro. It's really good. It's very visual and excellent. I have my book, The Instinctual Drives of the Enneagram. Uh, you can find it on bookshop.com, Amazon.com, Barnes & Nobles, or whatever. Please buy it, and please leave a review. Uh, I found a hate review left on Goodreads by somebody who offered a video on one of these Facebook groups for uh, being a four, and it was clearly he was a nine, and I said he was a nine, so he hate-reviewed, so... Oh, can you read this review, please? Uh, I think he got removed, because oh, I... Oh, darn I, it. Like, because I know this guy, or whatever, and, like, I uh, like I saw his Instagram, and I was like, hey, man, like, you're an author. Why would you write that shit when you know... Mm -hmm. I, I know you haven't read my book. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Like, I know for right. a fact. I know for a fact. Liar. And let's see if it's on. I'm looking at goodreads.com. Yeah, I want to um, hear what he has to say. I'm sure it's nothing of substance. No, it was really dumb. Because uh, if I thought he had read it, I'd be like, all right, leave that up. But uh, anyway. I was going to say, yeah, were you going to do something about the 100th anniversary of our yeah, so lives we're, together? This, this, this little family... Of uh, of Enneagram ghouls, we're reaching our 100th episode pretty soon. So we want to invite you, our dear listeners, to uh, call into our love line with comments, criticism, complaints, uh, or how this pod may have been something that you liked or didn't like, or whatever. How it's changed your life. Forever. Has changed everything. Or how you. it's ruined your life. Yeah, Destroyed. I'd like to. Re I'd really like to hear some somebody be really angry at yeah, us. Yeah, be mean. How it's destroyed your sex life. How you yeah. can't can't stop thinking about David's mouth noises at yeah. night. You know these kind of things. And you're, divorce, hear... you're divorcing your wife because of my mouth noise. <laughs> I, I want to hear more people that are fucking while they're sending in a love line. I need that. Yeah. In my life. Yeah. Oh yeah. Kind of... All yeah. those kind of things. So the love line is, and Emeka, correct me if my, I'm getting this wrong, but the love line number is 323-696-0647. Correct. Wow. Cool. Look at that. Lastly, lastly, uh, I want to address something because I get a lot of people sending me screenshots. of. We have like a couple of Facebook groups that are basically like uh, fan groups of hate fans. They listen to mm -hmm. us, but like almost all of their posts in these groups are like based on our material, which is hilarious. But there were two posts recently. Uh, and normally, I see these things and I just think they're funny and they're dumb and whatever. Two posts recently. One was about our sexual social versus sexual self prez call, mm, yeah, and they were like, "Oh, John doesn't understand uh, sexual types because or sexual social because 
I said some something facetiously about like, oh, I don't get how sexual socials do whatever. I understand sexual types. I understand sexual social. I don't understand the experience of being a sexual social. And so this person was using that to be like, they were clearly a sexual blind person. Uh, mm-hmm. The background photo of their profile picture was a bunch of pictures of their family. Uh. Yep. Um, Magnetism <laughs> of a turtleneck. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, the point is, like, like if you need to really, like, read between our lines and, like, really move things around to justify yourself typing, if it's not just a, an apparent obvious thing that you're broadcasting your type at all times, like, like, really think about that, that you have to sort of bend over like Neo from the Matrix, avoiding the bullets to, to, to fit your type. Like, that's a thing. So, like, I don't care if they think I don't understand the type or whatever. But like, just come on, like, and if- and also I want to point out that uh, Beth felt, um, well, I mean, she enjoyed, <clears throat> excuse me, coming on and sharing her experience, but she also felt that that a bunch of uh, people might just relate to her because she's generally pretty relatable, and she wasn't. The thing mm-hmm. we do on this pod, like a lot of us, you know, hexat types, is a lot of what we're doing is trying to push into the distinctions to make it clear right. what something is and what it's not. So maybe like five years ago. Before I knew what being a sexual type meant, I would have probably said some generic shit that anybody could relate to. So the question is, like, what makes a sexual type a sexual type? And just because someone who is a sexual type not be able to are articulated exactly in a way that is specific enough doesn't mean that that definition all of a sudden is different. Well, you know, sexual type is somebody whose personality and psychology is organized around putting themselves ahead of sexual competition, whether you're sexual self-prize or sexual social. And sexual self-prize has different ways of putting themselves ahead of competition than sexual social. But nonetheless, your ego is constellated around something very specific. And, you know, if you have to, like, go, oh, well, it's it's actually sort of a pseudo-social type or whatever, then, like, come on. Um, and then the last thing is somebody uh, said that I, I guess I'm hating on attachment types or something like this, or I'm talking down about attachment types because it makes me feel very special. Um, really? Yeah. Wow. You know, and first of all, we have two attachment kings and two <laughs> attachment queens on this call. Yeah. And I love my attachment types, and I am madly in love with uh, a triple attachment queen. And... You know, if there is any kind of talk about attachment types in a way of like, I don't get it. It's because I don't get it. It's because they're a very different experience than me. And like, if I sound like I think I'm better than or more special. First of all, if you think that fours need to be like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm better than as their like way of locating specialness. Uh, that's not really it. But also... Uh, you know, I, I love my attachment types and a lot of what we've been covering in these last couple of months is, is some of the subtext is like how much I've suffered because in my type structure, there's no attachment and how that lack of adaptability has really cost me a lot and made me feel like I wasted a lot of my life. So again, that seems to be some kind of, I can describe different motivation as to where that comment came from. Uh, but I thought it was a, a way to talk about, like, if, if you're reading that shit into me, maybe that's how I'm coming across, but uh, that's not how I feel. So with that, uh, we've been doing shit with Xander and Courtney, and these uh, geniuses of object relations have been blowing our minds with their insights and uh, contributions to helping us really understand uh, these type structures, especially attachment on a deep level. So we have Courtney and Xander, and so I know you guys listening are probably familiar with these two, but if these two could introduce themselves once again, uh, welcome. Xander Ladies. and I are going to have a fight to see who goes last or first, no. whatever. Um, I'm going last. <laughs> the nine is already <laughs> declared. No, thank you. last. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hi, this is Courtney again. Um, nice to be back. Just as a reminder, uh, I type as a social self press six with a three and one trifix. Hi, I am Xander. I type <laughs> as a social self press nine wing one, nine five three, and I am calling in from the astral plane. <laughs> <laughs> okay, real quick, I mean, uh, after. 
uh, Xander's <laughs> call that we had together, I think a lot of us were trying to figure out how this attachment to disconnect shows up differently from <laughs> three, six, and nine. And so, I mean, we love y'all, but that's why you're all here. So let's figure out how this shit shows up for the different types. So that's but what I, we're talking about. I mean, I'm sure Courtney has thoughts in general, but well, I mean, yeah, Courtney and I had Courtney some really great discussions thoughts. since Courtney that has thoughts. <laughs> that is insane. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so Xander, I I really loved listening to. Well, I enjoyed reading your post, and then I I really enjoyed listening to the podcast that you did. I guess it was a few weeks ago now, and for me, the part that was interesting was getting very specific on the, what you were saying that resonated for me, and which parts resonated but a little differently, or felt a little mm. similar but not. And so for me, that's what I was really interested in getting on a call with you to discuss more carefully and also to really get Nancy to commit to staking out the three space. Nope. She's going to love. <laughs> nope. Cannot do. <laughs> the whole exercise of forcing attachment types to not be slippery. Nope. Mm-hmm. going to be... Uh, and just hear a lot of pauses on this whole thing. But um, so that's what I was really interested in, in hearing from you is, oh, this feels, because the nine also for me has, I can feel the three more clearly than I can feel the nine. And so I'm, yeah. I'm interested in um, some of the things that you said. And then I think the other thing that I would like to do is as we ask questions of one another, the three, six, and nine, for me, having the hex ed types bounce into the discussion is often helpful as it is for all attachment types because that helps locate ourselves. And so I have some specific questions around, well, it, is this something everybody does or is this something just attachment types do? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, so, and so that's where I would like the hex ed boys to, to weigh in. Does that sound okay to everyone? No, mm-hmm. it doesn't, but go on. <laughs> Okay. It sounds far too structured. Why did I, why did, why did I ask? <laughs> Here comes the 613 man. <laughs> Specified objection. Here we go. Um, so the first thing that was really interesting for me, Xander, on, your, on the podcast is when they asked you to explain your process, it felt very similar to mine, which was this idea that attachment felt like nothing. Mm-hmm. And I, and that I couldn't, I would read these words and I would talk with John about being an attachment type. And it, it just, it, I literally, it wouldn't land on me. And it was only through doing a big exploration of attachment in contrast first to frustration and rejection that I was able to sort of almost backdoor attachment. Uh, yeah, you were. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Backdoor attachment. Teachers coming soon. <laughs> so I feel like that should be a, a line of lube. Um, so glad I said that. Um, uh, so, so that was just really interesting for me to hear a similar process. When we talk about attachment types, and you know, we've sort of been putting us all together, but I, I actually think there's some big differences. And one sort of obvious way to think about it, I mean, but like to think it through, is attachment plus aggressive stance for the three, attachment plus compliance stance for the six, attachment plus withdrawn stance for the nine. And so then I started kind of coming up with language around, you know, Xander's idea. I mean, I think that all nine types are committed to being feeling disconnected. It just is harder to see in the attachment types because we're reaching towards or we're trying to maintain that line and committed to disconnection at the same time. Yes. And that's the part that's deceptive. Yes. So when I think about the three... And so the way we're sort of reaching towards someone or trying to maintain connection, but at the same time being committed to not being seen or supported in order to keep that pattern going, right? The three is going to sort of, and I had like written these down, but I want to ask Nancy and Xander how these land. And then I have another question about it. 
for the three, it's sort of like, you're not seeing me, but if, if you just tell me more about what you want, I can fix that. Yeah. I just got to get into your mind. I got to read your mind and I'm super confident that once I know what you want, I can do it. Yeah. And I maintain a feeling of disconnect because I never actually then reveal myself. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I, I ask what you want, I do it, and I never reveal myself in that doing, in that meeting yeah. you want. Mm-hmm. And it sort of feels like there isn't a self to reveal. Mm, that's it. That, mm. was, that was great. So is it the experience of that there's not a self to, like, galvanize to reveal or like to collect you know like the sense of like oh now like maybe there's been this performance or been this adaptation or something but then knowing how to draw on yourself rather than some kind of adaptation it feels like there's a blank space is that what it is uh, i'm not really <laughs> sure i mean my 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 feeling about this nancy and i want to uh, is that there but all of us have gotten out of the habit of finding ourselves the extra, like the exercise of what does it feel like to know myself? How do I actually go about doing that? None of those muscles have been, are, they're super underdeveloped, first of all. Mm-hmm. So to even ask us to do it, it's sort of like we've forgotten how, mm-hmm. number one. Second of all, like there, I think there is sometimes like a real quality of emptiness and identity, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's, I mean, I think that's true for all nine types. Mm-hmm. And the three is sort of most, in some ways, attuned to that. Yes. And so, so that's part of what's driving that, like, let me fill the void here because they actually experience that feeling of void emptiness. Mm-hmm. I think in some ways more readily than all of others. Yeah. And it's, it just, um, it doesn't ever feel like people would actually, I mean, people, people don't actually want your genuine self. Yeah, they do. Okay, yeah, but it's nice to say. But like, you know what I mean? Like when you're just, it just, it just doesn't feel like that's accurate. Well, tell tell me more about that experience or what that feels like. I, uh, I mean, it just doesn't like. Is it like a cynicism? Is it like a heartbreak? Is it like uh, nobody's ever honest about anything? Like, what does it feel like? Well, it just doesn't feel like there's anything worth offering in self. Like it's just me. There's I'm not offering anything. Do you do you feel like you can receive other people's self or interested in that? I think now. I think uh when I was younger probably not. Like if you wanted somebody to like reveal themselves in some way, were you conscious of like that being even a desire or an option or was it just something that like like you know <laughs> as a four it's like I want I want people's like real, real self or whatever, you know, this kind of thing. So from the point of view of being a three, is it just sort of like it's all shadow play or like, how does it, how does it work? I think that, um, I have, people have dumped themselves onto me before and I really judge that. I don't want to, but I do. And so I think, um, I, you know, I feel like that's really uncouth. There's like a one judginess there. And I don't want someone to judge me like that. I also don't want to make someone feel that way. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's definitely a lot of uh, judgment around if someone doesn't reveal themselves to me in the right way, right? In the palatable way. Mm-hmm. And I think I've come past that, like, like, and now, I, like, that's very much a body experience for me when someone does that. So I think I'm able to kind of pinpoint it and be like, okay, this is you, like, you're judging them, like, get over it. Nancy, don't you think that some of that is just, um, I mean, we all do this to the parts of ourselves that we don't allow ourselves to express. We judge it when another person then do, does it. Don't you think some, I, I would have said that that's the that's the consequence of the image management of the three is that when someone is not doing that, it's like, how dare you? I judge you. I would never let myself do that. Right. Because it's really, I mean, it's really messy. And that's like, that's not something I allow myself to do. I'm not messy. It's like your inner critic, keep judging the other person to to get yourself to keep doing what you do. Exactly. 
You're supposed to have it all together. Yeah, exactly. And if you don't, that's that's really come on, come on. So, so is is selfhood uh, inherently like this sloppy, messy thing, or is it that there's no self? Uh, yeah, I think it's really messy. I think it's really per- like not. I think it's really useless. Um, it doesn't like get you to where you want to be. So is it kind of like you're you in theory could access this sloppy wreck of a self, but that you choose not to because it is so useless and whatever? Yeah, I mean it's not going to get you anything. Well, I was just going <laughs> to do a Nancy anecdote from one of the Nancy and David calls. That... Sure, go for it. Just fill my guts <laughs> without well, my consent. Total... That's fine. Yeah, That's what we do here on this podcast. Well, this is the one time like you had a. We you did spill your guts. Yeah. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that that's call? fine. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, okay, go ahead. Just, just do it with Lou. <clears throat> <laughs> just close my eyes. This is about a month or six weeks, eight weeks ago. I don't remember when exactly. But Time is not real. <clears throat> yeah, but Nancy had a basically a complete meltdown, I would say, and. Uh, I mean, we can talk about how we how it got there, or whatever, what happened. But that made me feel like I knew you better. That made me feel like I was getting real juicy, the real you. Mm. You know what I mean? And that was that was totally intimate, and like I prefer that. You know, mm-hmm. instead of mm-hmm. instead of that sense of like I'm not getting much of you, and you're maintaining a certain demeanor and so forth. It was like, Oh, there's, you know, the real Nancy. And I want more of that. I mean, I'm just letting you know, as newsflash, hello, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I, I think that there's, there's obviously something around kind of competency and fear of failure and doing equals self, right? That we're kind of talking about for the three. And Nancy's articulating some of what that, the messages she's got going through her to mean, keep all that going. I think one question I have for you about that too, Nancy, is that just as I have learned the three and then observed so many threes, um, you know, I think that there's a real sense for a lot of threes that they are kind of you know, we spoke about the fake heart very early on in the object relations conversations where it's happened so early that the three takes on a sense of self that is what their care, what they will, he or she believes their caregivers want them to be in order to be valuable. And it happens so early that, that the three actually for a long time believes who's, that's who they are. And so I guess that's also part of, I think, how a three is thinking about it is like, look, this is me, but I also realize that my sense of self did not develop in isolation. It developed in the context of my family. And so therefore, I assume that's what everyone else is doing. And so this idea that, you know, you could have, quote unquote, a self doesn't really resonate with me, even as I also know, I think, believe I have a self. Um, I kind of lost that a little bit. (laughs) Hold on. Um, No, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. We're we're all disconnected here. (laughs) (laughs) The three is constantly saying, like, just tell me what you want. Just tell me how you need me to be and I will do it. Right. And, and that's based on something that's happened from a very early age. Mm -hmm. And so for some threes, they, they're, for most threes, they're doing it reflexively. Mm Mm-hmm. Self is being shaped in the moment. Well, and that's kind of, yeah, you're right. That's kind of what we expect everyone else to be doing right. as well. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't, that's really, like, dangerous. That feels like That feels like a really dangerous thing to do. So it feels like something that, you know, you should fix. Dangerous for what? Um, well, you're, you're going to say the wrong thing at the wrong time at some point. What? What's the bad thing that's going to happen, though? Oh, people are going to judge you. You're going to miss out on opportunities because people are going to judge you. But mainly people are going to judge you. Career opportunities? All of, all of the above. <laughs> all of it. 
It's mm. it's not that you just miss. I mean, she's not of value then. Exactly. Like she's she's value. It all goes back to like what what do I what do I have to prove that I'm I deserve to exist here. And if I need to get you on my side or to get you to like me in order to get my mission accomplished, that my mission is I have to like be worth something. And so in my head, it's the dots are being connected that like, if you judge me, then I can't do what I'm supposed to, I can't perform the way I'm supposed to perform. And I refuse to let that happen. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of ignoring the off chance that what you are naturally, like the real you might actually be something that's somebody out there wants and likes but that's not what the self is for for the three yeah the the self is for value well and i think even if one were to think or nancy would, or i were to think that there is a me that someone else out there would want instead of this me i'm presenting that's still an attachment thing that's going on because i'm still trying to think about me in relation to others Hmm. So I, I think what's, what seems to me to be distinct about the three versus the other attachment types, and this is how I've been trying to think about them, is has to do with what you're talking about, Courtney, the, the, the fake heart or, um, I mean, the heart center and its relationship to the idea of self-worth and value and where that comes from, uh, which I think works differently for the six and the nine. It's not... It has a different flavor than than fake heart and value and worth. And and my experience with threes, and this is what I was trying to like go back to, you know, like the like the the cloud of the nine, the like thousand points of light for the six, or hundred points of light for the six, and the like couple lights for the three, is I think that like the three's attachment to people around them in real time to some extent is always being referred. It's like, what does that get me vis-a-vis my attachment to my original caregivers? Like what did my original caregivers define as a person of value? And therefore, what do I have to do with the people in my life right now in order to maintain that original attachment? And are you saying then that six and nine are less oriented toward the original caregivers? Yes. So why is six not, for example? Or what is six doing that's different? Because because when you think about the object relations and the two functions of being seen and then being supported, the function of being seen, it happens much earlier in Mm, infant development. And so it's actually like the, it is actually the function of a couple of caregivers one, maybe two or three that really provide that quality for the infant. And so if you're attaching to, as the three is to, I don't feel this, but it's on me to make it happen. I have really like kind of lasered in on what like a couple of individuals define as of value. Well, like referring to the old Riso uh, parental orientations, which he eventually disowned, but you can still kind of, to me, abstractly use them. With three, three, it's a certain, it's an orientation to the mother. Mm-hmm. So it's it's that it's just that very first connection only, right? And then six is an orientation to the father, and the father is the introduction to the rest of the world. So that's where you get that the multiplicity coming in, sort of archetypally yeah. with six. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. When you think about when you become like a more independent child, it's much later on. Right. And there's also just sort of a greater number of you get the wider range of phobia to counterphobia, Right. Because what is what how do I need to show up in order to invoke a feeling of being supported? And um, you'd have a wider range potentially of what depending on who's who you're vibing off of how you how you provoke that response and so that that the idea of like the six inner committee right is that like i'm continuing to add points of reference in terms of like what do i need to do to get to get you to elicit support whereas for the three 
there's this weird thing where it's both the object relations, that original relationship between the primary caregiver and the subject is being sort of like imprinted onto like current relationships and the current relationships are also a transaction that allows them to feel attached to that original person. And so there's this weird quality of like they're both performing for you and you're a tool that they're using for their own performance. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Does that at all resonate with you, Nancy? Yeah. I mean that, yeah. That really resonates. So can you say more, Nancy, about it? Just like about your experiences of that or like if that presents confusion or something like that? You always want more. <laughs> she has nothing, John. I have literally nothing to Nancy, give. Nancy, I'm demanding that you adapt to my sense of value. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I did that a year and a half ago. Um, <laughs> this is not the real me. Um, <laughs> so what you're asking is how uh, using someone as a performance tool and performing for them causes confusion? Yeah, like, like, I, mean, my under- I don't know how that's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> I as don't if, understand. As if it wasn't confusing enough. That, that I sounds mean, completely logical. My understanding of what Courtney was just speaking to is that threes will, on one hand, uh, be, um, you know, attaching to you. They will be trying to attach in a way that you see them as valuable and experience them as valuable. On the other hand, so like like you as their partner or friend or whatever, you are their object. But at the same time, the relationship they have with you is also kind of a prop to relate to the mm-hmm. original object. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's this kind of confusing both and situation and that seems mm-hmm. like it could uh, change. It does. Depending on their inner orientation. And I'm, I'm curious, like what... How do you hold both at once, or does one take priority of the other, or is there? It does it confuse you as a three? Do you feel like you're like, whoa, I'm whiplashed? Yeah, like, like, what's the experience of that? Uh, well, so I experienced that a lot more when uh, dating. So, like, I would become a person to attach to for a usually a dude. And then I would take them to a public setting where people knew me, and our attachment would have to be palatable for them. Mm. So I have to make sure that our relationship fits the vibe that I also want to put out publicly. And if it doesn't, it's, it's really not cool. I don't so, know if that makes sense. Yeah, so if if you're with somebody who uh like let's say you really like or whatever and they value and you're attached, but then you go out with other people or family or something and they don't like either your partner or your your connection with your partner. What does that create? Well, it's not that they don't it's not that they wouldn't like it. Um, it's more of like how our attachment affects the whole experience for everybody. And I don't know if people can always pinpoint, if other people can always pinpoint what is affecting their experience, but I could know if it was our relationship. And what I hear you saying is that the attachment itself almost has a performative quality. Yes. Like there's an image maintenance component to the attachment that and a three is doing to their intimate relationships. Yes. And and most people won't have much of an opinion on it, but I'll know pretty quickly in a public setting if it affects the public setting in a way that I approve of. That's very confusing. Okay, cool. So... (laughs) I mean, well, like, I don't. I think you're articulating well. I'm not like it's not that you're not doing it well. I'm just that experience is like I'm. I'm kind of so like when Alexander and I stopped by your place on the way up here, uh, and we were hanging out with you and Brian. Was there like that going on for you? Um, yeah, but it's a lot more like I know that that's going on a lot more now. I am. I'm much less attached to my public facing image now. 
but I mean, I still, I still react. I still can feel myself wanting to react to it. Um, I just, I just can feel it. So, uh, I think I was like judging the amount that like Brian was touching me or judging like his answers to questions. And, you know, I have to check myself. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I know that's illogical, like, but Mm -hmm. I can, I can hear that going on in my head, but yeah, it's totally still there. Mm Mm-hmm. But because Brian is more important to, like, our relationship is solidified, I love him, he loves me, I can kind of watch as, a, like, a a little bit from the outside in and be mm-hmm. like, okay, mm-hmm. that that's, this is illogical. Mm-hmm. And so what I, th- I think is happening, what I hear Nancy say, and what I'm, I'm thinking is, it, you know, what's unusual about the attachment of the three compared to the six and the nine is they're also ask, wanting their partner to actively adapt as well. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because yes. that's part of how they're, because they're an extension of yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, that's, I think part of why I've dated so many nines is because they're very pliable. Right. Not in the manipulative way. They just kind sure. of adapt, ad- adapt as they go along. So it's easy. And then there's Alexandra and Beth who chose the non-adaptable. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> they're probably going to have that internal voice at some point. But I, but I think there is this strong feeling of agency in the three that's distinct from the six and the nine. That I think if you're in those relationships with threes, you can feel that, that they are both really tracking you, but they're also expecting you to track them. Hmm. Yes. The only reason I would be tracking you is because I'm assuming you're tracking me. And I need you to track me because I need, you're now an extension of my image. Exactly. Yeah, I had a couple of friends when I was in junior high and early high school that were threes. And there was a lot of stuff around uh, me doing something that, you know, wasn't cool or made them look bad, even though I'm a separate person. Yeah, it's talk. really not okay. Yeah, David, you've ever you've done something not cool? <laughs> ever <Once>. been not cool? <laughs> <laughs> one time. <laughs> this one time back in so 1973. Rare. It was. <laughs> it was a Monday. <laughs> I mean, my line with my significant other is like, I'm both the mommy and the trophy wife, right? I have to be both <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> that makes total sense. Uh, when I have dated threes, it felt like we were stars in our own documentary. They felt there was always a camera <laughs> in the room. Mm-hmm. Even when we were fucking, it felt like there's an awareness of us being watched right yep. now. That, Interesting. You know, I told doesn't... David that one time. <laughs> yeah. No, I and... dated a three also. Same thing. It was as if there was a camera in the bedroom. Yeah, the, the camera being the uh, original object, meaning mom. Like, yeah, exactly. Mom and dad. Mom watching. Oh, and not mom only, but, but that that turned me on though. Mom. <laughs> so it it always felt to me. I mean, because with eight or eight fixers, it, it's a sense with that um, gut fix is just let it fly. Whatever it is you got going on, it just gives it just gives it permission to just fucking go to the extreme. And so with three, I just felt like we're self-editing in the moment oh that's yes. not okay don't say yes. that mm-hmm. don't look that way uh they might think you know that that <laughs> feeling was uh it's really interesting and it's um more intense compared to the other image types because it does seem like it has like a 360 degree camera checking mm-hmm. to make sure that the image looks palatable to their chosen you know audience we are Even the actors, alone. cameraman, and editors. It's yeah, a, it's, a, it's a wider audience because it's attachment. Yes. You see, right. as compared to two and four, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they're doing it themselves, so it's sort of like, why can you just not get on the program here? Yeah, it's like, I, mm. like, mm-hmm. I am doing everything. I just need you to be fucking palatable. Mm-hmm. It's really not that hard. And I need you to validate me and recognize me at the same time. Yeah, yep. it's not that hard. Yeah. <laughs> it is so easy to validate me. I am validatable. I have created an entire persona that is validatable. It's not that hard. But, I, but and I think also there is, as I was saying, there is a confidence about like if I can just under if you can just let it be known what you want, 
I can yeah, I can take the reins. I can do the rest. Your life will be so easy. Just let me do it. And that is that assertive stance. And I think it, so it has a different, there's a slipperiness to it, but it's not, I mean, and we all know this, it, there's not an insecure. I mean, this is like when you heard like Beth talk and you heard Xander talk. And to some extent, when you hear me talk, there's like, I don't want you to, well, Nancy does it too, but like, there's like, I don't want you to see me. Right. Mm -hmm. But I, it's greater in the six and the nine than it is for the three. Right. It's like, I want to be seen, but not pinned down. So just to clarify then, so you're saying that that is true of the three because the object relation happened much earlier. So the three in a sense is a, is presenting a self. That is the self as defined by the original object or something. Yes. That has been ingrained or embedded into the three psyche. Um, and that's the that's the fake heart that they present to the world. And so in a sense, they have, like you're saying, Nancy, you have like you have created a validatable self that you present to the world. And but that self, validatable self is always gonna be disconnected from your true self. And so you will never feel validated ultimately. Well, sure, if you want to put it that way. <laughs> I was I was trying to connect all great. the dots of the language that you've been using. Nancy's like, God damn, shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep, yep. No, that that you pretty much hit the nail on the head there, man. All right, we're we're slowly right. emerging okay. from the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> light. <laughs> light, it burns us. I was like, man, this is going to be fun to edit. Now I'm like, all right, okay, okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, we were like, we we're like, all right, we got to have more attachment types on this call so we can get really clear. Like, the more we have on, the clearer we're going to get. No. That was our nope. hexad mistake. Yeah. Yeah, the more we have on, the stronger the pull into the room. <laughs> so hilarious. Uh, you're going to have to really edit it because people won't stick with it. I don't know how, I mean, it's kind of funny to feel the emergence, but it, I don't, no one, probably like two listeners by the time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're getting somewhere, but it's just, it's taking a long time. It's like we're dragging ourselves out of the fucking void here. <laughs> but I think Xander's exactly right that yeah. they're, um, I'm going to let him say it again. Go ahead, Xander. Oh, oh shit. Well, he oh, lost no. it. It's already gone. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so you're saying that the three has kind of a more specific self that it offers to the world. It's not, um, because the object relation happens earlier with the original object or as defined by the original object. And so they create, as Nancy was saying, a validatable self. They can never get validation oh, from yeah. the real because self. That, yeah, because, yeah, because that validatable self is, is separate from, somewhat separate from their self. Right. Yeah. And the more in real time that they continue to repair attachment by just saying just or to find you know yeah, repair attachment um by saying just tell me what you want off and i will fix it i will do it i can be that they are committed to a never revealing oneself in that act and so the disconnection continues because their original disconnection is never it's never it's never being identified or resolved all right we got to move to six and nine i was gonna say <laughs> all right <laughs> But I I do think that there is something hard, like the the nut of the three, which is like that that the self really gets understood. <laughs> Damn, Courtney with the sexual instinct today. <laughs> I do think that it's harder to crack because their self is this is who I am. That false heart really gets taken into is 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 identified as self. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to clarify, this is all extremely uh, subconscious. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the six has got, as I was saying, because it happens later on in the independence and wanting people to support you as you individuate happens later in the infant self development. There tend to be more people, or there tend to be more situations or different environments in which support needs to be solicited. And support feels very contextual. So I think that idea of the inner committee for the six which is, you know, maybe my primary caregivers are on that committee and they never leave, but I'm actively open to other voices taking seats at the table, depending on what my, what's going on with me. And then I have to figure out how to resolve. My problem now is I have to figure out how to resolve and maintain attachment to 
eight or nine different people who have seemingly opposing views. And that becomes part of that slipperiness for the six is I'm trying to, I'm trying to maintain dissonant attachment. Do you follow me? And if I, if I locate myself with one person, I'm sure to alienate another person. And I'm actually trying to maintain all of the lines at once. Mm. Yeah. It, it feels like six is well hidden underneath that is like, okay, I, I've got like these three or four different people that I'm, I want to maintain support with, but in order for me to uh, maintain support with this one person, it is going to undermine support with this other person. So you get all this weird pinging back and forth and contradictory sort of stances. It sometimes feels like sixes are purposely trying to undermine support from one of those at that given time. And I'm like, this, this attachment to disconnect was the first time that I was really understanding maybe where that was coming from is, you know, sometimes seeing how sixes can do things to sabotage the support that they have in their sort of pinging all over the place. It's like, and then coming back to see if they can get it back. Does that uh, resonate, Courtney? No, but that's just because it may, might be subconscious. I do think, I mean, when I was sort of talking about the, the three saying like, I just tell this, give me a sense of what you want and I can fix this. The, the six, like there's less self-confidence. It's more like, mm -hmm. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Mm -hmm. So it's less about like manipulating self and more about like giving up my will. Mm -hmm. And you're asking questions too. Yeah. Leading. Yeah. But like, underneath all of that like it's like that thing where that you know like the elephant and all there's like eight or nine different people who are each feeling like different parts of the elephant and so those are my that's my committee right that i'm trying to like everyone i i'm, I'm both outsourcing perspective and also distrusting your perspective at the same time mm -hmm. and that's why i need eight of you because i can't i don't by definition, I don't trust anyone. I don't trust myself. So I'm also not going to trust you guys, but I also need you to tell me what to do. And so it kind of depends on where I am in that cycle with you of needing your perspective, but also at the same time, the very, the reason I need your perspective is because I trust no one. Yeah. I often get the sense, uh, with certain six friends, it's like, which person am I going to get today? Which, where am I in that cycle? Mm. Like you're talking yeah. about. I do think that there is a real quality of the negative merge that you're talking about a little a bit, that self-sabotage of, um, uh, this is going to be vague. This well, what I'm thinking is maybe this is coming back to that thing you were, you were saying about picking a fight with your husband, because maybe, yeah. maybe that's going to get you the attention or, um, almost like a, a negative type of support where it's like, all right, you know, we're going to have to engage now if I amp up on this thing over here that's going to be negative and, and grab your attention. So which is why I think um, sixes can have such a varied way they go about trying to get support. You get some sixes that are just going crazy, crazy just in public, just trying to trigger or provoke certain people to pay attention and to engage with them, even if it's in a negative way, trying to wrap my head around like what's, what's behind that, like that sense of wanting support, but also undermining it. And that's a starting point of some kind. I think also there is something about flailing about that a part of me thinks gets the support I'm looking for. I'm both thinking I need to be confident and know what I'm doing for you to support me. And I need to be a hot mess in order mm. for you to for me like both <laughs> that's important to say right there <laughs> you need to be a hot mess so i can support you right. <laughs> like but i've got both of those hanging around in me mm -hmm. that's sort of like maps helps you map it seems like you know what i mean flailing around i mean being abstract here it sort of locates you sort of or or makes some kind of terrain well, I'm also sort of testing people, right? Like, do you really have my back? Like, let me, do you? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's some of that, right? You know, and that goes back to the disconnect itself too, right? It's like the, I, you know, sabotage to the point that then the person really does leave. And now 
I'm not, I don't have support. Of course I don't have support. And so I both justify my, like it my, my fear in the first place by making a mess of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I end up seeing sometimes is maybe sixes imagine that they're not supported, even if it's, they're not even being paid attention to, but they it project the sense of disconnect on that person. So they get go then go and do something to reinforce that sense of disconnect and create an even bigger problem than they imagined. So that oh here, yeah, they don't actually support me. Look at them. They've they've uh reacted to this bad thing that I've done to provoke them and now I'm not being supported. And from that place it's like, oh well, I just I wanna make it work now. I I'm they they then turn around to try to get the support back. And so I see this kind of um, back and forth of trying to locate support for the six. It's either, I'm either going to do something to undermine it to see if the person will react. And if they do react, and I'm going to try to do something to bring them back and going back and forth. I mean, it is kind of interesting to think about the six as being the one of the three that's both the most, like the clingiest, which we talked about, and the most likely to provoke disconnection. Mm-hmm. Like doing both at the same time. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if what I'm hearing is that, oh, if I don't present myself as a as a hot mess, or if I don't keep questioning, like I'm always looking for an answer, then how are people going to know that I am in need of support? But with that, that's that must seem like very frustrating after a while to always be giving that, to always feel like I have to maintain that kind of image or uh, relationship in people's lives like i can see why that would be really so frustrating that i want to just disconnect from that entirely like that is me but like that can't be me because that's because i am a i am an individual person also is that what i'm hearing does that make sense well i i do think I think we all tie ourselves in knots. I think the six does it more obviously than others. Um, I think that dissatisfaction is like, and I don't know what else to do until there's some sort of crisis and then you figure it out a little bit, maybe. But I think there's also that, like that, that's the phobia counterfoil. I I do think that there's a, in the six, it's like, either you're with me or I have no one. And so then the counter to like being a hot mess is then me kind of being like, I'm just have to take care of all this myself. Guess it's all on me. Like that kind of like ridiculousness of, I can't count on anyone here. And, you know, then I, I get overwhelmed and I like then take on all these assignments or responsibilities that no one's asked me to take on. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that I see. Um, like the workaholic thing, I think it's common for all the attachment types, but I think it's, there's something more intense about it with six. And I, I feel I could be wrong, but the self, you know, martyrdom thing is more intense for six. And from my perspective is, all right, you've put too much on your plate. You've got too much going on. The solution is to take some stuff off your plate, but it's like, no, 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 no. I want to continue this cycle of I'm doing too much and I crash because then it's broadcasting that I obviously need support. Mm-hmm. And from my perspective, it's like, well, I mean, you've got too much on your plate, you know, reduce the load so that you don't have to be in a situation where, where you're, you know, not, you've, you're completely burned out. Um, but it seems like six is more so than the other attachment types. Maybe more, maybe it's up neck and neck with three, but just really attached to working too hard. Well, I think, I think it's also that I'm trying to like do the workload of like what eight people are giving me, Mm -hmm. you know, there's there's also like a certain kind of attachment that it engenders in others when, you know, like on one of our uh, older uh, object relations calls uh, talked about six as the boxer, but it's, it's specifically, it's the underdog boxer who's losing Right. Mm-hmm. But 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 mm-hmm. the but the announcer says, ah, oh, but the kid's got heart. You know, he's <laughs> sticking in there. He's going to keep punch it away. But oh, he's wow. but he's yeah. going but he's going down. But you want him to win and you want to see him come back. That's a certain kind of thing that sixes are doing to pull people in and, and attach to. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yeah. 
It's a weird mix of being confident and like not wanting to be confident. Yeah. Competent, not even confident, competent. Like, true. Well, um, and it, comp- it, confidence can kind of not be as palatable, so people won't like it as much. So if you're competent without confidence, people like that. Yeah, it feels like sixes are attached to the underdog story. So, like, even sixes that get fame or success, you notice this thing where they can be like, oh, I'm just like a, any other person. If I can do it, you can do it too. Me. You know, yeah. like that threes aren't doing that, but I think <laughs> sixes are attached to the the fighting as a yeah, like fighting as an underdog. Like um if mm-hmm. if I, I have problems following me and if I'm doing too well, then here's another disaster to remind you that I'm I'm an underdog. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there is something about like the 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 slipperiness of the six is like the failure to kind of I mean, cause John and I were talking about it where I was sort of and I, I am reminded often, like, you know, like, I'll have a conversation with my husband and he's like, just tell me what you want. <laughs> you, know? Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it just takes me five minutes to try to elicit what he wants. And, and he think, and I'm and I'm and he's like, what is your agenda here? And I'm like, I have no agenda. He's like, then just say what you want. And there is this real there is a slipperiness for the six specifically around. It's not around self, but it is about what what i want what i believe like what i think should happen well that's the piece that's the piece of like where i'm committed to not feeling supported the way i ensure i'm not supported is i never articulate what i want yes and you're supposed to and it's like the six is saying you're supposed to see me uh whatever stumbling and know what i need or something or know that i need support or something well it's like i want support for your agenda like the only way I think I can get support, I, the way I've got it set up, is the only way I think I can get your support is doing what you've told me to do. And the minute I like articulate, this is actually what I want. I'm afraid I'm not going to get support, but I ensure that I never get support or I never feel like I have support because I never bother to tell you what I want in the first place. Mm-hmm. Can, can I ask what support is or how does it show up and how does it feel when you're supported and how does it feel when you're not supported and what does it look like? So I do think, and I think this is an interesting question for all nine types, I think that there's a bottomless quality to support for the six in the same way that there is for some of these other things. Like there's, it, there's never enough. And the moment even I feel it, it feels ephemeral and it could like vanish at any point. So it had like support never feels stable to me. It's defined inherently as unstable. Um, And what it feels like to me is it, it feels like a, it feels like I have no ground underneath me and it feels like I have no, um, like if I need to course correct or if I need to, like, I don't have the resources behind me to like make something happen. Like I, it feels like I'm very aware that I'm operating in a context. And if I try to adjust my position and I'm not aware and I don't have everyone else behind me, it like creates like a breakage. It, it, It feels very vulnerable. I guess would be the the other way to to talk about it. So support is always in flux. Support is never guaranteed and it never, it, yeah. It has to be constantly proven to me over and over and over again. I know that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Because I've never bothered to tell you what I want. So I can't really actually trust that you really support me, right? Yeah, Beth is gonna love that. Okay, we got to move on to nine. Uh, I have to get going because I have a group meeting at um, seven. <laughs> yeah. So we got lost in the Bermuda Triangle. So either you guys You're can keep, keep doing your thing, or maybe we should do a part two. Let's just do a part two because I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna severely cut this. Yeah, I'm gonna severely cut this down and maybe <laughs> <laughs> thirty-five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because there's still a lot that we haven't gotten a chance to talk about. I mean, we're t- we've really done three and six and seems like there's going to be a lot more to cover, so let's just do a second call. Yep. Okay. All right. All right, y'all. Bye. I'm going to go recharge okay. for the next week. <laughs> <laughs> bye, guys. Oh, All right, bye. 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 <laughs>